I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you remember, do you remember that when... That lunch Keys... has gone straight to your head, hasn't yeah, it? <laughs> always, lunchbox, mate. Um, do you remember when Keys and Gray... Just riffing, it's just great banter. Do you remember when Keys and Gray would do Stop that? Stop talking about Keys and Gray. <laughs> We've got to do a guide to Keys and Gray at some point. <laughs> when they had the tactics board and, and Richard Keys would literally just grab a piece and just go, but what if I was to put that here, Andy? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> when you look back at that, he might have been ahead of his time. Yeah. He might, he might have put a, a fullback <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Football Rambles Guide 2. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Vidushan Hantaraja. And I'm David Cartledge. Every position on a football field has its place, its history and its heroes. But some of them just mean that little bit more. I mean, nobody grows up dreaming of one day becoming a functional right back. There's the flamboyant sprinter out on the wing. The gladiator in central midfield. I might smash into somebody just to make me feel better. The mad one who couldn't kick a football to save their life and ended up in goal. Goodness me, have you ever seen anything like that in your life from a goalkeeper? But there's one position on the football pitch that demands more attention than any other. The number nine. And he's around the keeper. The finish was inevitable. It's been draped over the back of some of the most talented footballers we've ever seen and when anyone wears it, it immediately tells people what they're all about. Goals. Goals from inside the six-yard box. He's brought down by Peruzzi. Carlo finishing off. 
Headers. Goals on the counter-attack. Penalties. Rebounds. Doesn't matter how. It only matters how many. Lewandowski goes through the goal. He just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. The great Romario once said that strikers are egotists. They're selfish. He'd know to be fair. But he's right. It's all about you. Remember, if you miss six chances and then score the last gasp winner, you're the hero. Just look at those who have worn it down the years. Alan Shearer, Ronaldo, Gabriel Batistuta, George Weah, Andy Carroll. Oh, Andy Carroll. Not a lot of defending, granted, but who cares? Today, we're looking at the evolution of that most coveted of shirt numbers and how those wearing it often reflect the wider game as it changes through the years. So check your run, stay on the last defender and ignore anyone who tells you this is a team sport and it's not about personal glory because this is the Football Rambles guide to number nines. Welcome everybody. What a show we've got for you today. My goodness. Number nines, gentlemen, number nines. Fish, when you think of a number nine, what immediately leaps to mind? You. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not these days, brother. Uh, when I think of number nines, I, I think of a position that I adored ever since I was a kid. I played at school, played at uni. Um... Talking about his own career. <laughs> no, but but, but like... <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is my time, yeah? This yeah is, we've, got half, we've got half an hour of this. What you meant at the start was, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a lad on his first day. Yeah, I used to play a bit of football. But, uh, you know what I mean? I did my knee, didn't I? You know? Honestly, um, uh, at a time when, when statistics, even school statistics are logged online, I'm happy to have played in the era that I played in. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but it was always the most... Um, attractive position all my heroes mm. were number nines mm -hmm. it was you know um in yeah. jonathan wilson's book on goalkeepers he talks about a phenomenon that happened before tv and radio mm -hmm. when players or rather sorry when fans listening would mm. be infatuated by two people the goalkeeper yeah. and the striker yeah. because that's when they everything was at its loudest whether it was a commentator or mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. the crowd and i think just the 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 feeling of scoring a goal and to to have that as your living yeah. is something that is remarkable. Really, it, it's to me, it's a superhero element of it. It's Ooh, like nice. your your you know your job is to save people. Yeah, like it, like it. David, number nines. What do you think? I think of R nine. I think of Ronaldo. Do you? Yeah, different, I, I, different answer to mine. But yeah, I, I really, I really, I really do. I think you don't think of Vish, no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so you've gone for Ronaldo. Interesting. I, I try, not, try not to think of Vish at all <laughs> in any regard. Um, no, I think of Ronaldo. Um, yeah, that's who I grew up like really seeing when I started to understand the game a bit better. When I started to understand mm. the whole game, and I, I felt. Watching him, he was a, a perfect mix of, of various attributes. He, mm. he he had that power, he had that speed, but mm. he, had, he was just graceful as well. The way he moved, the way he glided across the turf, he he was he was iconic. His boots as well, yep. he, his mm. Nike boots, or yep. he's had everything about him. I thought was just it just really stood out. He was kind of like a Michael Jordan type mm. figure. He was the first footballer I saw who seemed really just larger than life. I thought Michael Jordan type figure. I think is a very good way of putting it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I would say the, the other thing about the number nine is that actually, you know, you go watch your Sunday league and you're immediately attracted towards the number nine there. More so than the number 10, because I think number 10 has become that over the years. I mean, to, to a point, but like that's <clears throat> your, it, it's such an easily identifiable position. Mm. 
and you know it's a position with such responsibility that it carries forward from the from the top to see, the bottom. See, wingers always excited me the most. To a point, yeah, but like, they're, they're there to facilitate the striker, aren't they? they yeah. I mean, yeah. Rich is right. As much as I'm loathe to say that sentence, <laughs> he is right when he says that. I mean, it, 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 it all certainly in the old days, it would all funnel towards the number nine. You know, that I was, think, he was yeah. the one that would would get on the end of stuff. The match winner. But it's interesting though, if we, if we sort of look at the the sort of the the evolution and whatnot of the the, the number nine, and perhaps the decline of number nine. We'll get to that. Um, at the moment. Erling Haaland, some people have been calling him a little bit of a throwback this season, you know, an out and out goal scorer. Mm. Of course, in that in that win against Bournemouth um in, in way back in August when they won four 0 he touched the ball eight times. Much was made of that, especially in a in a Manchester City side managed by, by Pep Guardiola. He's been getting criticism for not being involved in, in enough games. And in September, when he's you know, goodness knows how many goals he'd scored just by September, he responded to this um after scoring the the winner against uh, his old side Dortmund. Um, despite not having, despite only having eleven touches of the ball in the first half, and he said, "My dream is to touch the ball five times and score five goals. That's my biggest dream." So he's clearly not worried about all this kind of idea, David. That oh, well, I need to have umpteen amount of touches like a lot of players do. He's like, "I'm all about the goals," and you don't often hear players it's, kind of talking like that nowadays. It's how it used to be. It's exactly what you say. It's what you grew up on when the end goal was when a man just set up a team to get the ball in the box to the striker. Yeah. And then we've gone through an era where I think that isn't the end goal. But yeah. I, I think defence has obviously taken on a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think ball retention has taken on a lot more as well. Well, Tiki-Taka and Guardiola, yeah. which I we think, spoke about on a previous guy. I, I think that played a big part. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to it, but I think that played a big part in terms of the striker dying. Yeah. For Because they're, they're playing two up top as well. Yeah, you know, yeah that, that, right. that, that died. You take a man out of playing, so you're going to lose one of those and mm. you put them in midfield. People mm. want to focus on ball retention. So Haaland, in a way, has made us reassess and, and go back mm. further um, funnily enough and and it, we have to start again almost and, and remember those type of players and remember yeah. that they don't need to be involved throughout the game We they don't need to be a, um, a Carlos Tevez type yeah. you know somebody all encompassing all energy Great closing down yeah absolutely brilliant in his own mm. right as well mm. and it, it's made us rethink that and go back to Haaland and that type of striker that nine as well and we've got um, I think Dusan Vlavic as well at Juventus is another one as well and he gets a lot of criticism it's like oh he just stands around Mauro Cardi mm. was another one he just stands around <clears> he, he just waits for the ball to come to him yeah. but again we have to remember that this type of striker did exist and still does exist and that there is a place for them True enough I mean but it, it's interesting because I mean Mauro Cardi would be a very much uh, a poacher mm. but he's not at the top tier you know I mean he's currently playing in um, in, in, in Turkey isn't he and well, whereas, could, I, could you swap a Cardi for Martinez for example well possibly but, th- but this is my point so let's, let's begin this sort of chat and when we go mm. through the years of the strikers what we're talking about is are poachers and the old school poacher mm-hmm. was the, were, were the players that were again growing up they were the main guys on, on the pitch and, and that type of poacher I think is very difficult to be that at the top very very top um, in football, which is why Harlan is an interesting example. But, <clears throat> excuse me, until you could say the late 1990s, certainly in this country, they were the dominant version of the of the number nine. Um, that, that poach, you know, absolutely no frills. The idea of pressing from the front, I mean, no way. These, these guys yeah, were just... Wasn't even a thought. They yeah. were just strolling around that back line, just waiting. Gary Lineker was this type of player. Obviously, for, for many, many years, Gary Lineker has been on the TV as a broadcaster, presenter, and, and I would argue does a pretty good job at that. But Lineker, 10 goals he scored at World Cups for England, um, played for Barcelona, you know, won, won a couple of trophies there. 
scored an awful lot of goals for Everton when when they were going for titles and so on. You know, played at the top level in in football, and but that type of striker would there be a place for him at? Um, you know, again, at the top level of, of, of football now, you know, he was, Gary Lineker's not the tallest, not particularly physically imposing, quick, but but very different to what we expect now from strikers. But isn't that just more a product of the, the game as it was back then? Well, because the way football was back then, everyone basically had designated areas. Well, okay, so to back that up, 48 goals he scored for England. 47 of them were from inside the box. Yeah. And and the one that wasn't was actually, it was a kind of a one-on-one anyway. You know? But that, that, that I mean, what, what do you, you know, when you think of these old school poachers and so on, Ali McCoist is another one yep. to talk about those who uh, we know as broadcasters nowadays and so on. Um, you know, scored 49 goals in 52 games for Rangers in 92-93 season. These guys would were just all about goals. Yeah, they had nothing physical. Whereas mm. the game now is physical. In the era that we are in right now, the demands, you know, the fitness levels are much higher. Yeah. Um, I think the reliance that managers have on every single player to be de- to be doing something. You can't have anyone who's just coasting. Yeah. Everybody has to be involved to some degree. Um, do you we, think these are, these are seen as luxury players now almost? Yeah, I do. Because if I think that's such a pure poacher is mm. absolutely a, a luxury right now because you want them to say yeah. what, what else are they doing? What else are they contributing? Especially as well, when you think about it, 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 you watch a game, how many clear-cut chances are actually created in games as well when mm. teams are more focused on the defensive principles? You might get one, two chances a game as mm-hmm. well. So you need somebody else offering more. Yeah, I don't think you can have those players. And also when I think of those players as well, just no real physical acumen there as well. Mm. And I think in the modern era we moved on, I think there was Filippo Enzaghi as well. Yeah, yeah. Again, mm. physically not there at all, but everybody knew him that he could play on the shoulder. Mm. And, he, you know, if one ball was drilled in behind, then he could get on the end of that because great, his movement was so sharp. And that's a great example because Enzaghi won a Champions League for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was in the 21st century. Yeah. I, I know it was, what, 20 years old, however many years ago now. So, you know, time flies and you forget. You know, oh, blimey, that was a little bit of a time ago. Mm. But um, but with the likes of, of Lineker and McCoist, you know, they were vital members of their team. Their, their movements only had to be over short yards. Yeah. Maybe two, three yards. Make sure you time your run. Acceleration sharp. was important. Yeah. So, so look, you might be seeing the ball for 80, 85, 90 minutes, as, as you're saying, but just be alert that one time that the ball might come to your feet. Well, it's that, fo- that focus, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there was a, there's a nice quote from uh, former Switzerland Celtic defender Ramon Vega, who said about McCoist, he was very difficult to play against because he could hide. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a there's an interesting element to you know to the idea that they're um, you know figures from a bygone era because mm. the thing I love most is actually how you can draw a line from those poachers back in the day to to Harlan now mm. little things like near post runs how often do you watch do we watch a game now where a commentator or co commentator maligns the lack of a near post run yeah yeah the fact that people are maybe hanging back the fact that no one's gambling gambling's yes. always the word they throw in there. And the reason Harlan's seen as a throwback is because he does all the things he does well mm-hmm. were being done well by people, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But this, I mean, in, in football, uh, in, in, you know, in the, in the tactical evolution of football, we, we see some things do get left behind. You, no, no, you know, people aren't going to play a 2-3-5 anymore, although Guardiola's Barcelona yeah. at times, you could, you could argue. But generally speaking, formations would, would, would be, there's, there's formations that go in and out of, you know, are in vogue and some come and go and so on. But some of it is cyclical. 
And and with this idea of actually, let's put a guy who is a bit of a poacher because the way defenders are trained these days and have come up, they're not used to that type of player. So if you can fit that type of player in your side, which obviously is what they're doing, we keep coming back to Harlan because it's such an interesting contemporary uh, example. Yeah, if you can do that and you've got the quality elsewhere on the field, you know it could be effective. Although, of course, there are arguments are Man City playing better football with him or without him, but we'll come on to that. But there's also the, you know, the idea that actually a lot of the same values still hold true. I know you talked about it being cyclical there, but mm. the idea that um, Haaland is just picking up plays from from people, not just, not not from 10 years ago, but a bit further beyond. Like, you know, David, you're, um, you're a fan of uh, US sports media. What, is it um, Michael Irvine's, um, you know, we're losing recipes? Yeah. yeah. There's an element of like those are coming back in vogue now. And What's the losing recipes? Just this idea that like, oh, because see, of how the, things the are things passed on. Yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, even, even someone like Eddie Nketiah is doing it on a smaller scale. Yeah. Like is gambling. He's right, getting himself in positions and while improving the other stuff around it. True. Mm-hmm. But it's but the reason he is being effect is, is effective. Essentially the reason he has his spot primarily is because mm-hmm. of that goal bit. Look, we may be losing menus, but fish and chips will always be fish and chips. <laughs> yeah. And and that moves us on to what we would call the old school big man up top. Mm-hmm. Uh since the fifties in, in British football, there's always been a bit of a four four two vibe. It was as if that's how you play football. That's the complete position. You've got everything is neatly spaced out, everything da-da-da-da-da. And two up front. Two up front was was such a mainstay for so many years. Um, and and that role, you know, you'd have... And and you know from Sunderland, David, sometimes you have a big man-little man combo, which yeah, is great. Quinn and Phillips, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. But... But if you have a big man up top, being able to hold up the ball mm-hmm. was was important. There was these flick-ons and headers, you know, but this is typical sort of British type, type forward. Um, and it was very direct as well. And the England team reflected this trend as well at the time um, when, and this would be, this would be, from the 90s, but the likes of Peter Crouch, Andy Carroll, um, Ricky Lambert as well. Uh, sometimes they led the line, Lambert less so than than some of the others. But that type of forward nowadays playing for England, you would think that's plan B or even plan C or no plan at all. But, but do you not think um, when you talk about targetmen, ideally we're talking about people in excess of like 6'2". Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you not think those players now are still about, but they're just the ball's being played more to their feet yeah. than it is to their head and chest. Which, which again, I think that's the thing is that you had specialists. The, the modern football demands so much more. It's almost like total football has kind of finally reached every little tiny nook and cranny sure. of of, yeah. of top tier leagues in top in in in, in the big countries. But the pure, the pure basis, the pure start of total football was that the whole team moved together. Exactly. So nobody's just sitting. Everybody everybody's yeah. always moving. Everybody's always looking. You, you yeah. move as one, a unit. Mm. Keep your line straight and, and and such. And I think that now is also it's it exists, but it's like you say, it's taken a different guise. Yeah, but I mean, look at you know we've joked over the years, but I mean Andy Carroll. Now there will always be you know if you're a big guy, you can head the ball, and so there will always be somewhere for you in in football mm-hmm. at a decent level. But I mean Andy Carroll, when he was signed for Liverpool, it was an extraordinary amount of money. You can't imagine a club that size. Now I know Liverpool weren't where they were when they when they signed him, mm-hmm. but you can't imagine um, as I say, a club of that size or with that ambition or with you know, trying to get Champions League football, signing a striker like Andy Carroll so much. Now, I know Manchester United have just got about Vekost, but I think Vekost, even he's got a little bit more about it. He's, he's more, again, he's modernised. Exactly. When, when Vekost was linked 
and when he was signed, no one mentioned his goal score record. Everybody mentioned his pressing stats. Yeah. yeah. And that's that they were saying, oh, that's why he'll fit in Manning out. They didn't say, oh, he'll, he'll get 10, 12 goals towards the end of the season and mm. it'll get Manning out three points. It wasn't that. It was he'll press this, he'll press the yeah. defense. And then others, like such as Rashford, Anthony, the wide players, yeah. will then come into the game and pounce on these loose balls. But then, but, but, but with my point about if you're a big lad and so on, you know, he's six mm-hmm. foot five for crying out loud. Because of trends of football, we see then that what is demanded or expected of defenders has changed. I know Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid would sometimes play two up, you know, two up top a bit more because defenders were so used to growing up through academies, two centre-halves would be marking one guy. Yeah, yeah. So actually, if you've got the quality elsewhere and you've got the system, which means you can go without an extra body in midfield, if you put two up there, a lot of players don't know how to deal with it. The, th- the interesting thing about when they signed Andy Carroll is they signed him after selling Fernando Torres, yeah. who was an all-action number nine. Yeah. And alongside Andy Carroll, they also bought Luis Suarez. Yeah. And... Andy Carroll is the anomaly, you know. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, in, in that, I suppose, like, you know, that section of, of Liverpool's transfer dealings, I think it was more done out of young English, looks quite promising, big lad. Uh-huh. Presume, I don't think they realised how ill-equipped he was on the deck, yeah. really. I think they basically signed him as someone who they could mould, and it turns out they couldn't. But I think if, um, you say, if if you ask me, who do I think of in the current in Premier League as it is at the moment? Who is or beyond? If you the yeah. archetypal target man, um, I immediately go to Ivan Tony. That's a good shout. If you look at the way he p- plays with Brentford, specifically mm-hmm. how isolated he is at times when he gets the ball, yeah, and then what he does to bring, or I suppose to buy people time to get things underway. Mm-hmm. And I'd also say I know he, he drops deep, but when Harry Kane, Kane picks up the ball on the halfway line. Yeah. He is a target man. He's, he's just very, sitting deeper. He's a very good playmaker as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but that's it though. Because that's it. So we'll, yeah, we, we, we'll move on very, very quickly. But but could you call, in terms of the the sort of the, the, the big man up top, that kind of target man really for size and so on, could you say Olivier Giroud would be in that bracket? But he, I always find with Giroud, and, and David, correct, well, both of you correct me if I'm wrong, I always find with Giroud, he plays better when people are near him. Yeah. And it's I, his size that people confuse yeah. with this idea of, I just ping it up to him and he'll just hold it up. Yeah, true. Because I don't think he can. He he's not that. He's not a bully boy striker like that, yeah. is he not? He's, he's too he's too pretty to bully. Yeah, yeah. He's That's... he's good for knockoffs and such. If you play at feet, then he can give a little give and go. Yeah, mm-hmm. he gives and goes to your wide player, and then he'll run around and get in the box. Yeah, get around the penalty circle. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Well, let's, let's move on to another sort of type of forward, which I suppose we sort of dubbed the all-encompassing front man. You touched on it there with, with Fernando Torres. Because there are some strikers who, if you think of like a pacey forward, who I, I think of as a little bit more of a than, than a finisher, someone like Ian Wright. I think he had a bit more than, say, McCoyst and Lineker in, mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of like a bit of skill and stuff. But I, I, it was, I wouldn't quite put him in as the all-encompassing front man. I think that came in the 21st century again in this country because I think of I think of Harry Kane say I think of Didier Drogba you know who I think of Marcus Speller Adriano oh yeah you love Adriano I fucking love Adriano well yeah. Adriano is an interesting one but but you're right that that guy who I cuz I vividly remember when 442 started to change to 433 I would say it was when Mourinho came in it was Mourinho yeah. Mourinho yeah. came, yeah. And you, Mourinho you, you, came you, and changed didn't it because he totally. was he was so Focused on on controlling the midfield, absolutely controlling the tempo of games and controlling the direction of games. Yes, yeah, you, you're absolutely. But four three three or four two three, but either yeah. or, you've got that central striker um, who at times might be I And I remember always thinking, oh, you've got to have two up there. You've you know one one striker. It's a bit negative. It's a bit this that and the other. Because again, if you think about that type of of, of forward who I grew up watching in that kind of system, you'd have to have an enormous amount a, a, a amount of quality around them mm-hmm. to kind of set them up because if they're on their own up there there's there's so much to do mm-hmm. you have to be physical and the game has got more physical it's got more yeah. pacey and so on yeah um and this is where i want to bring in old r9 ronaldo uh, the original ronaldo mm-hmm. because he was so blisteringly good especially before the injury he was, I think Ronaldo kind of drags the modern, he almost creates that sort of modern forward, if you like. You think, blimey, that's the new bar, that's the new ceiling. He also, because of the, because of the way he played, inspired a generation to play, to try to Com- strive for that. Completely, yeah. but the skills that he possessed, I, I would argue in terms of pure talent, he's, he's the best football that's ever lived. I would say that in terms of just pure skill and whatnot. He'd be unbelievable in this current era. <sighs> yeah. He would be, he would absolutely destroy because he had everything about yeah. him that this era is about. Yeah. So, so where do you? So, so would you call him the one uh, as we're dubbing an all-encompassing frontman then? Because he obviously he he 
needed service as every striker does. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you take that season at Barcelona, mm-hmm. it was almost as if to say, even if you give me a poor pass and I have four defenders to beat, I don't worry about it. Let's... I think that was it. I think a lot of the highlights, actually, when you watch the original Ronaldo, he gets the ball in the halfway line. <laughs> yeah. There was that famous goal against uh, Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. Where he picks it up and he just spins and he goes around everyone and he's going against them fast, but people are bouncing off him as well. Yeah. So people yeah. always yeah. forget how powerful he really was because he was so quick, because he was so agile. He, he, he's second, third touch were just incredible. The way, he, very soft feet, very referred yeah. like to use that term, soft feet. <laughs> and it was that as well. He, he just used to dance between people, but he had this, just this blister of power as well that you couldn't shake him off the ball. Mm. But so, so we, Ronaldo comes in and then we see even a forward, because he played with Christian Vieri as well, mm-hmm. a rare type of Italian striker, you, you, you could say. And at this point, you know, we're enjoying someone like Gabriel Batistuta. What a, mm. what a player, what a player. And as I say, we're starting, we then move into the sort of modern era and what is expected of strikers. Because if you're a manager, you're thinking, well, I've got my poacher, but actually this type of striker can do it all. Suddenly they're a part of the team, they're a part of the unit in, in a way perhaps that they weren't always. And it's interesting that, take the case of Michael Owen comes along Really, in '97, I think he makes his Liverpool yeah, debut. In '98, yeah. of course, we World Cup and that goal against Argentina, and Owen uh, wins a lot of personal accolades and is seen as one of the best strikers at the time. And of course, he had his injury as well. But but Owen, it's it, it's strange. He he then, as his career would go on, becomes sort of slightly obsolete. That type of, of player. Everyone kind of telegraphed that with Owen, didn't they? Yeah, I they remember, did. I remember, he burst on the scene and he was exciting. But can you imagine if he came along in the early '90s? Yeah, I know oh. he's had his injury, so so oh, I don't in the early nineties, to... yeah, yeah, he he would have run it. His numbers would have been yeah. incredible. But it was like he was almost just slightly a little bit late. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, Do you but... think if he comes around in the modern era, he basically is fashioned into a Rashford? Possibly. He, he, no, he could he couldn't do it. He wasn't he, he wasn't physically good enough. But, but they would they would have tried to. Uh, what I'm what I'm uh, saying is if that right. if that's 2007. Yeah. Or you know, two thousand instead, instead of ninety-seven. Yeah. Are we suddenly are, are there managers looking at him thinking, right, get you coming off the left? Let's work on this side of your game. Yeah, quite possibly. Because he didn't have to do that, yeah. which is no. part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, right enough, indeed. But I do think that around that time, when when and obviously you say Marino and the positions changed to four-three-three and so on, and as they some of these big heavyweight strikers like uh, Ronaldo and Batistuta and so on, they suddenly show managers at the top level. What, what what can be done, you know, where it's moving. You, you you get a player who's more physical. And I think I think Didier Drogba actually is, is I know his goal scoring record has been questioned at times at Chelsea, mm-hmm. although he, he didn't struggle to score in the big games and big moments. But that type of striker that was he was um utilized so effectively by yeah. Mourinho and other managers as well. He could do it all. And again, it's like, with the four four two. you know, you think of great partnerships like even Cole and York at Manchester United and mm. so on. One of the they, best. Yeah, they, 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 you need your partner in crime. Or someone like Drogba, of course he needs the midfield, of course. But, but ostensibly I'm talking about, it's like, oh, he's up there on his own fighting those two defenders off because he knows what to do. And you've got, He could look after himself in a sense. Yeah, and you've got to want that grind. Yes, you do. And he definitely did. I, I remember the first time I saw Drogba live in person um, not only did I, and even though I know he was a big bloke, not only did I underrate how big he truly was, yeah, and the way he'd eat up ground, but his first touch, yeah, certainly, yeah. you know, when once he got that first season yeah. out of the way at Chelsea, yeah. was just immaculate. But that's what I mean. So, so take him, like, if you think yeah. about Drogba, again in the nineties, oh, he's the big man up top, so much more complete. 
Yeah, that, that's why it worked. A for much them. more complete player. Than... That's why it worked for them. And that's why Shevchenko didn't. Well, yeah. Mm. Because Jogo was all encompassing, he could do everything. Where Shevchenko was more. But you see, Shevchenko at Milan was a glorious. Yeah, he was. He was. he was incredible. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was remarkable. But when I think he got stuck between, I think you know, the modernization of Mourinho and mm. what he brought about to the Premier League, I think is as important as what mm-hmm. Wenger brought as well in the way that he changed things and brought things up to date as well. Yeah. yeah so yeah, w- yeah. would you say Shevchenko, um, the game moved on beyond him to a point? I think so. I think he, ar- I think he arrived in England. Too late. That's yeah, for yeah, a start. That definitely. Does. So the game was just changing at a certain time, I think, right. and I think that was tough for him to to really recalibrate and, and what he'd done. Because there's also, you know, speaking of Chelsea in that time, the 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 poacher who who everyone knew about, mm. Kesman. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'd yeah. always talk, we'd always talk about his goal record. Um, you know, in the Netherlands, and there was a sense that when he came to Chelsea, that. Actually, yeah, they're going to create everything around you. You can just bang in all the goals. It just didn't work yeah. like that. But it is interesting, the changing trends of football, who gets behind, gets left behind and who doesn't, who can, can see these trends and kind of go with it and, and, and whatnot. Because in the point of Michael Owen, I mean, he, he compared himself to Kylian Mbappe last year and said that he would have been worth over £100 million in today's That's worse market. than saying I'm my favourite striker. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not sure. It's probably not, no. Yeah. <laughs> You backed out very quickly there. Yeah. <laughs> no further questions, Your Honour. Um, and I think it's interesting uh, that Owen says that because, you, you know, you were saying he might be played off the left and so on. I mean, we're forgetting one player who who, who came along and, you know, is he a winger? Is he a striker? It was Thierry Henry and mm. the way he was utilised as well. Mm. I mean, he was very much off the left. Used very effectively, of course. You know, one of the best players we've, we've seen play in this country, certainly. But... Nowadays, you know, we mentioned Mbappe and, and obviously with Messi and Ronaldo, it was wingers, you know, goals coming from the wings. And that goes with the formation changes. Mm-hmm. Certainly in this country, I know Barcelona played 4-3-3 um, for, for a while. But that's where the goals uh, kind of come from. But with that 4-4-2, you know, often in this country, we were we were bereft of what, you know, that supporting striker, as you call it, or, or a number 10, you could reduced, say. I always call them reduced strikers, you know, just somebody, somebody who can yeah. drop off and kind of drop, drop into midfield. So yeah. again, so you're fulfilling that midfield role. Uh-huh kind of a number 10 creating, but you're not truly a number 10. And so I, I wonder, with the example of Wayne Rooney, often people are like, where's his best position? Mm-hmm. Because again, I think Wayne Rooney would have thrived in the 90s in a two, because he mm-hmm. would have played that that just off the main striker. And I think that's probably where he was, was best played. Yeah. And I think at times, as formations changed and so on, clearly, again, a phenomenal career. He's Manchester United's top scorer of all time. Um he, you know, and that season when he was played more as a number nine, pushed up top by Ferguson. He was brilliant. Yeah. Yes. He was fantastic. But didn't do that, that wasn't wasn't used that much. No, it was very much for that season. Yeah, but, but then again, the genius of Ferguson is is how much he... Um, um, adapted. Adapted yeah, and revitalised. I, I think it's because of Manning Heights. And again, it comes to this, funnily enough. I think Manning Heights spent so much time in Europe. Uh-huh. You know, they analysed and saw what was developing in Europe. And Absolutely. Because like, don't forget when Manning Heights first got into Europe, yeah. they, they were terrible. They, they got bounced out at the group right. stage against some team from, from Romania or wherever it like that. You know, they, a fair they, few goes to get um, it. IFK Gothenburg. But, you know, it seems like this they used to struggle against. Yeah. And then as they got into it more, Ferguson noticed different trends and what and such what was going on and knew that he had to buy a different type of striker yeah. as they gradually went on. Uh-huh. It's why York was such a success. Because, yeah. I mean, look, look, Aston Villa weren't battling for, for titles. Uh-huh. You know, so that was that was a you know a big decision to, to bring somebody like him in. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, you're right. And with Rooney, the, the, the strikers and the, the, the teams that he played in for Manchester United, mm. he adapted so brilliantly. I think, again, people can forget the... 
the footballing intelligence that, that that Rooney has, and I think he has suffered sometimes because he's got a very working class and particular scout accent. I yeah. think people can be quite dismissive of that. But Rooney's position, you know, again, playing that forward number nine, as we've just spoken about there, playing with, I don't know whether it be, did he play Van Nistelrooy? He was in the same side as Van yes, Nistelrooy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, how different is that to then playing with Tevez and I was going to say, and then I mean, him, uh, Rudy and Tevez did all the legwork, didn't they, for Ronaldo? Yeah. For for Ronaldo, they gave Ronaldo the platform to you know score the goals that he did. It wasn't yeah. Rooney who did that. Rooney still chipped in, of course, yeah. was, but Ronaldo was essentially the number nine there. Yeah, and Ronaldo, of course, later in his career would be very much adopt that whole kind of number nine and and, yeah. and, and so on. And and we move on, gentlemen, to the to to, to more modern day uh, 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 chat on on the number nine, and of course something that we're all very well familiar with is the idea of the false nine. Now the false nine is not a new idea. I mean, you could say Sindelar was playing that role for Austria in the thirties, you know, mm-hmm. or Hidaguti for Hungary in the fifties. You can pick out all these very very old school uh, examples. Um, and Pep Guardiola certainly is a, is a bit of a bastard for a false nine, despite you know <laughs> signing Haaland, which is why it's kind of quite a, 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 an interesting example. But this goes with the formations and, and so on and so forth. But also this is where I want to bring Francesco Totti to the table because under Spalletti, who's pulling up trees at, at Napoli at the moment, you know, at Roma it was kind of out of necessity that, yeah, that, that, that Totti was yeah, the, yeah exactly a series of injuries. Yeah. But he, you know, again. Probably more of a kind of a four-three-three vibe, if you will. Generally speaking, Totti, who was that number ten, and again that sort of support striker, free roll. You've got the keys to the city and the pitch, <laughs> mate. You know that's the, that's how it goes with Totti in Rome. If he still wanted a game, he'd probably get one. Um, but he was played up top, mm-hmm. and it be, and and I think of Spalletti's football actually as that false nine kind of. It's interchangeable. It's interchangeable. Totally interchangeable. But there's certainly no striker. No, absolutely, absolutely. The word striker is not used. Forward is now the word that we often it's, uh, say, which it's is almost, very general. It's almost it, a bit too simple and a bit too obvious, I think, if, if, if Spalletti to have a number nine. Yeah. It's it's not what he's about. And it's if you look at everybody else who's used the false nine uh-huh. as well. So you've got Guardiola, Del yeah. Bosque eventually used it as well. I think for, for maybe different reasons, though. Yeah. I think Craig about, Levine at Scotland, let's yeah, not forget. Craig Levine, of course. <laughs> All the greats. So I was mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 Totti that season scored a hat full of goals. Absolutely remarkable. Just the renaissance because I think people again they said oh Totti can't handle the modern era. He's gonna he's gonna yeah. he's he's gonna die under. Not Spalletti. got the pace, the yeah. physicality. You know all the stuff that these forwards we've been talking about and demand the the the, the demands are there for Samueletto. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Again like pressing from the front. Blah blah blah, yeah. blah. Well, what he did is he did, did it a different way. They kind of again put a different spin on it. And it was all I think for that role as well. You have to sacrifice a lot. And I yeah. think people felt almost, I know he sacrificed himself to stay for Roma and, and, and such, but as a player, he wasn't seen as somebody who, you know, like a Tevez figure who who charged about, you know, yeah. hustled, harried. He he was somebody who was who was very much played at his own rhythm and the team yeah. played for him. This was the first time, I think, under Spalletti that, you know, he had to sacrifice himself for the team and his mm. movement and such and how he had to interpret the game differently. Yeah, but but did it very, very effectively. Oh, and of course, Del Bosque, Spain, yeah. who had such mm. steaming success. Cesc Fabregas. Cesc Fabregas. But my mm. personal favourite false nine. Yeah, David, you were saying before we started recording that Fabregas was up there. I yeah. mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? Fabregas, of course, we know him very well in this country as a, as a, as a midfielder, not not even as a number 10 midfielder. Yep. Think about the way he was used at Chelsea and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And there he is in this system that would win Spain trophies. And Fabregas, not always, but uh, for, for for certainly a few uh, uh, times, was playing in this false nine role. Yeah, and it was, it was a funny time because, they, you know, they, they'd gone... 
past Torres. Obviously, Torres Villa were very much in their pomp um, under Aragonés of Spain, and in a change, so they, he played a you know the, those two up front. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, David Villa dropping wide. I mean, David Villa is one of my favourite strikers of all time, and like Henri, I love how he interpreted uh-huh. the forward role to to drop out wide. But with Del Bosque of Spain, you look at the the strikers that were about. It was Soldado, Negredo. Yeah. They tried them all. I remember yeah. every friendly they tried yeah. them, and, and every now and then there was a glimpse, and it was like, oh, I think Negredo might be yeah. the one. Oh, Soldado might be the one. Yeah, He's scoring yeah, yeah. goals for fun. Valencia must be the one. But Del Bosque was ne- Del Bosque was never ever taken with any of the strikers, no. and that's when he fell upon Fabregas and also to an extent David Silva. But that system was incredibly. But what, so fluid. why did he do it then? Because. He had these. He had proper strikers, and, and again, in this country, we're thinking of well, for crying out loud. You, you know, you got one of these. I know Soldado mm-hmm. didn't score many goals at Spurs, and Negredo did okay at Man mm-hmm. City. But why did he not then uh, go for the strikers? Why did he want the false? Start? I don't think they could interpret Spain's system well enough. But, but the, 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 the system the being control the ball. Yeah, the, the control the ball. But you're going to be. You can't be static. Mm. Soldado and Negredo weren't big movers in in in, in terms of strikers. They are, especially if you look at their physiques as well. Whereas Fabregas is intelligent. I think I think it helps to have a good football IQ. Yes. And Fabregas did have that. He knew when when to move, where to move, who to move out of you know a space for to bring uh-huh. somebody else in. And that's what Spain's system was all about. Mm. The changing of positions. Yeah. And I don't think not everybody can do that. I don't think every, I think it's one of the most difficult things to do as a player. Well, in in, in the case of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, of course, around a similar time to this yeah. and of course that that would help Spain the national team of course the way, the way they were playing but when Guardiola brings in Ibrahimovic who you would call an all-encompassing centre forward modern centre forward very physical can score every single type of goal you can think of again that, that type of big man up top mm-hmm. I mean in, in the 1990s could you see Dion Dublin scoring an overhead kick from like 30 <laughs> yards out you know sort of thing. running away from goal Dion yeah. Dublin was a fine player that, that, is, that is not a criticism I'm just saying that that's how good Ibrahimovic was and that kind of thing but um, but he puts him in there and it, it just doesn't really work it Qua- disrupts that that all fluid almost not in the purest sense but a modern take on total football I suppose but Barcelona became slower more predictable yeah they, 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 I think that's the word predictable. Yeah, yeah, they, they did, and and I think that was that's what Spain and and Barcelona needed not to be. They needed to be completely different because you're going at the end of the day you're going to be facing ten men behind the ball. Well, I so think you, that's I think that's the idea about in football you strive to find the space and you strive to find to, to being um, unpredictable, mm-hmm. and that was one of the great things about the Hungarian side of the fifties. You know, when they whipped England six three and then they beat them seven one, that people often forget mm-hmm. that they we're not having that. All right, we get done even even bigger, you know. It's, they were unpredictable; they had no idea what what they were they were dealing with. And I think that idea of the false nine, people are going to play a back four mm-hmm. usually, even if you play a back yep. three, thinking, "Well, hang on, who am I marking here?" Mm-hmm. You get that superiority, and 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 Guardiola's Manchester City stormed their way to the Premier League title in twenty one twenty two without a number nine. Well, and with one of their most important central midfielders mm. as that false nine. <laughs> In Kevin De Bruyne, and again, it shows you how he can be adapted. But it shows how the false nine actually requires a level of intelligence. Totally, like, and so you're more likely to get a false nine mm. who is a midfielder moving up to that role yeah. rather than a striker moving back for that role. Absolutely right. Didi Harman, former Man City player, said recently that no matter how many goals he scores, Manchester City were a better team without Erling Haaland. Do you agree with that, David? No. <laughs> It's just an utterly ridiculous knee-jerk statement. Is it ridiculous? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Considering how good Man City were last season, I mean, there's, there are other factors involved. I'm sure you're other, I was going to say that there's a lot of other factors okay. at, at play. This is about you know adaptation again about progressing their yeah. system. 
Do you know it's still really early days, and uh. he's still scoring. He's still scoring for fun. I just Has can't believe he scored enough. I can't, <laughs> I just can't believe this conversation. Sometimes. Well, that's presumably the argument. Yeah, yeah. but then there was always an argument at Real Madrid that does Cristiano Ronaldo hold him up a bit? Yeah, but he was a prick. <laughs> <laughs> But, but do you not remember? Do you remember there was that? They great... won a few Champions Leagues with him, though. Yeah, but, but do you remember when the Madrid press went for Higuain? Yeah, yeah. When it was they were they were just concocting these moments where Higuain wouldn't pass Ronaldo when he was through on goal, despite yeah. the fact that Higuain would have a legitimate one-on-one chance yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ronaldo played up to that, and and you know Real Madrid and Ronaldo was quite a good fit in terms yeah. of the toxicity of, of that particular place. All right, well let's finish on this. The number nine position. Do you think it's extinct? What what we've seen it over the years? No. Or do you think that with especially with if we've used Haaland as, as an example here, do you think that, that that sort of old school well not maybe not old school poacher, but what we think of as a number nine or certainly when growing up uh thinking of number nines, do you think it could could come back? No, I mean, I just think it's here in different guises. I, th- right. I just think it's a more diverse position now. Mm-hmm. I think there's just more richness and texture to it. It's a mm-hmm. bit like hip-hop. Hip-hop's changed a lot in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. but there are so many different kinds of hip-hop now. True enough. Is Will Smith still involved? He's, uh, well, he's, I think he's needs some time to himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, David, what do you think? No, I absolutely agree with Vish. I think, look, the game... The game evolves, the game adapts, and yeah. therefore players do to it as well. Imagine mm. everybody hadn't adapted and everyone just stayed these old school number nines. The quality of football that we're watching, the quality of the games we're watching yeah. wouldn't be very good. But mm. players are smarter now, they're physically yeah. better as well. Um, you, you, you watch a lot more football, uh-huh. you, you're told much more performance analysis and such and stats, yeah. and you know which areas to target and such like that. So the game's developed in that way. Mm. So I think they do exist just in different guys. It's like every position. Yeah. You know, some people say the number 10's dead. Yeah. It's, it's not dead, it's just a different type of player now. Absolutely. No, well put. Callum Wilson hopes it's not dead, the number nine position, by the way. <laughs> End on little Callum. Um, in, oh, look, if you can score goals, you'll always have a place in football, I would say. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, on another Football Ramble Guide too. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Remember, we want your ideas for what to talk about next. Email us, show at footballramble.com or tweet us at Football Ramble with your suggestions. Do remember, though, we have a vast catalogue of guides uh, to get stuck into from animal pitch invasions to penalties and everything in between. Uh, Thank you very much, Vish. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, my man. Thank you, everybody. See you soon. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 